What's up, everybody? This is Grant, that cause artist. Welcome to episode 87 of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today, we're going to speak with Sebastian Van Der Lans, founder of WordProof, on using blockchain technology to create a more transparent and trusted internet for creators, publishers, and entrepreneurs. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll speak soon. Thanks. Have a great one. So usually how I like to, to start these conversations is, is really about an individual's journey. And when I, when I speak to people on the show, usually they're individuals who's working on something, you know, pretty big that'll take up, you know, a lot of their time, right? A lot of their dedication in their life and, and to build something big like that, it, it, I think it takes a lot of experience and it takes a, a lot of dedication. So I guess talk a little bit about your background and just your journey to get to even the point where you wanted to start WordProof. The journey so far, WordProof is a really f- a fresh company. We started it uh, one and a half year ago. But before that, I worked uh, with WordPress for over 14 years. I was the founder of one of the first uh, WordPress agencies in the Netherlands. And what I learned there really early in my life was how open source software plus a community can become a market leader. WordPress today, it powers over uh, 39% of all the websites on the internet, which is to me mind blowing as it's not a company, it's a community. And how do you compete with a community with hundreds of thousands of people developing on it, working on it? So yeah. that's, that's my business background. I started that agency with my co-founder in 2006, uh, worked for all kinds of television shows, publishers, e-commerce, uh, charity. Then what, what happened? There was something special. We always had to wish it was a healthy agency is a healthy agency. Sure. We always had the wish to contribute not only small things to open source, but a significant thing. Mm-hmm. Then something special happened in the Europe, and it was GDPR. <laughs> hate it or love speak, it, huh? <laughs> I hate it or love it. Always when I speak at a conference, my first question is, who loves GDPR? Nobody does. Of course <laughs> nobody does, because the execution was not so, yeah, to say it generously, it was not so good. But the intention behind GDPR was wonderful. Hey, it's for the citizens of, in first instance, Europe. It's hard to protect their privacy. They don't take accountability for it as they don't know how to do it. They're not right. educated. Let's make businesses and organizations a bit more uh, responsible for that. So yep. the intention was to give the inhabitants of Europe a bit uh, uh, more rights with their own data. Then we made a plugin, GDPR a fix for WordPress for free. And uh, that was a few months uh, before the deadline that was May, 2018. And yeah, we public- made the plugin because why did everybody hate it? needed to comply, which was costly in a way, but it wasn't productive. You had to invest to be compliant without yeah. it being productive. We thought, okay, we make a plugin for it for free. This is the perfect ingredients for, uh, for something open source. So we made the GDPR compliance plugin, released it a few months before the deadline. After a few weeks, tens of thousands of uh, downloads. A few weeks later, 100,000 downloads. Today, it has 1.3 uh, million downloads. Wow. And it's running on uh, 100, over 100K uh, WordPress sites, which is fun as that's where we learned the power of open source. We invested yeah. around 70, 80,000 uh, euros, uh, 100K in dollars in making it. The direct mm-hmm. revenue, nothing at all. But by that time, it was really hard to find good developers yeah. because of the contributions to open source. We were so much cooler as a company to work for. So it solved, <laughs> it solved uh, while doing good, it solved other hard things in our organization. 
And that was 2018. We still run that plugin. We still support it. And then I thought, okay, hey, in 2013, we did some prototyping with Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, all blockchain stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hey, how can we do something good and great for the world with the blockchain or how can we bring the, the big potential that blockchain has while leveraging the knowledge we have from the open source the wordpress ecosystem so that's where uh yeah where wordproof started there was a big competition as you told in the introduction it was the europe's challenge blockchains for social good yeah. uh, we participated as one of the parties and uh, yeah we got recognition of winning that and uh, that's where we are today uh, a company through timestamps, we uh, try to restore the truthfulness and the trustworthiness on the internet as it fixes uh, trust in society. And it's, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a lot like GDPR. I think blockchain has some of the same issues where it, it's kind of hard to ex explain, right? And, and it kind of glosses over people and, and with GDPR, like it, it's with blockchain, it's the idea is really good, right? Like it's, it has a, it comes from a, a genuine place. But sometimes it can be a bit hard to understand, right? And then equally as hard to sort of implement, right? Whether as a, as a company, as a creator, all these different things come into place and it's just overwhelming, right? And, and so to, to make complex, I think, issues or policies easy to read, right, or much more, much more uh, digestible, I think having tools like that at scale is, is really powerful and interesting, right? So did, did you learn a lot from the GDPR, uh, you know, setup and, and, and process and bringing that to sort of wordproof and say, hey, we want to make something complex, you know, really easy to use and really to implement across a wide sector of, of, of sites across the internet? Yeah, we learned a lot, but that was really operational. And um, hey, how do you maintain a big plugin? How do you the thing we had there, which really helped more in marketing the product, was that there was a hard deadline where people had to mm, be compliant. Right, right. What we what we do now is way more mission driven because I I never talk about blockchain in a way. Blockchain is is a solution. It's a solution to a problem space, and the problem space is that we live on an internet, an internet that was designed to connect computers to computers instead of people to people. What you see is there's a deep-rooted issue, trust. We have all forms of uh, misinformation, uh, fraud, manipulation on the internet. What we see is, it, say it's, it's quite obvious that it happened as trust simply wasn't part of the internet's design. And here in society and outside, when we are not on the computer, there are all sorts of tools to make sure that obnoxious human behavior can't thrive but on the internet we don't have that systems and what we need to do in fact is making transparency and accountability so how did information change over time and who was the sender of that information if we can make that preconditioning for all communication on the internet then we fix the internet and Fixing the internet results in a better society as those two are so woven in uh, to each other. Let's get into the, the nerdy stuff a little bit of, of how it, I guess one, what is, what does blockchain do right in this context of, of wordproof and, and, and how does it, I think obviously trust in the internet is a big issue, right? I mean, especially around news information and we'll get into e-commerce a little later. Cause I think that's kind of, uh, another avenue that's really, really interesting, and I think uh, it's kind of this next, this next step where where content and, and news, the written word, has kind of been the first thing to attack from a, from maybe a, a, a manipulative space, and I think e-commerce is probably next. 
um, at, at, at mass yeah, scale. Sure. So let, let's go into the nitty gritty of, of what, what WordProof does. One, let's just say what, what blockchain is, first of all, from, from you know, an elementary level. And then we'll go into what, how WordProof is using blockchain to enhance uh, sites. For sure. So blockchain, most people think directly on, of Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is a way to transfer value from one person to the other uh, without a government, without a bank in between. How does it work? In fact, we're with the three of us. It's uh, you, it's me, and the listener. Yep. How, how it works is you have three Bitcoin and you want to pay me one Bitcoin. You say, hey, I want to do that transaction. And all participants in that network, the people who own the same currency say, okay, hey, Grant has three Bitcoin. So it's allowed to, we, we allow him to transfer one to Sebastian. Um, do we all agree? Do we all agree? Okay, yes. <laughs> then there's a transaction. Then in our public and everyone says, okay, uh, Grant has one more, uh, less and Sebastian has one more. Blockchain is nothing more and nothing less than this mechanism where all of us agree, or at least the majority of us agree that it's okay to do that transaction as you have that fund. And from it, that moment, we all... It's, it's, a, it's sort of a validation, right? It's, it's sort of a badge of... There's no way to... It's a public database. It's no way to... The biggest part about it is no way to manipulate that agreement, so to speak, right? Once it's, exactly. once it's there, once it's agreed upon and once it's transacted, there is no returning it, right? Like there is no, that's it. It was, this is finalized, right? This is what it, it is what it is, which is, it, it's sort of, it's sort of interesting because there, it's incredible to build trust on the top of that, right? Like, it, because it is essentially open source software, right? Like if you look at it, it's it sort, is. Of, <laughs> sort of a community, like we were explaining before, uh, what WordPress is, it's kind of a, the same idea where it, it's a community that it's an open source element that validates, you know, certain things, right? And I think cryptocurrency was the first one, right? At mass scale that people were introduced to blockchain through cryptocurrency, which I would argue That's was- which stinks because it it was a bad way to introduce blockchain to the world probably is and that here's here's the fun here's the fun part because everybody bitcoin was great marketing for blockchain technology as there's the bitcoin white paper uh, that's 2008 2009 uh, bitcoin launched but in the bitcoin white paper that's a reference to another white paper from 1991 which is about timestamping documents and therefore improving mm -hmm. uh, or proving the integrity of information. Blockchain was invented in 1991 for timestamping. Bitcoin made it popular because, hey, there's uh, some money to earn, so uh, speculators get in. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone, 99% of the people in Bitcoin, started not for the social good thing, but for the speculation. Yep. Then they learn, wow, there's a whole world around it and you get in the rabbit hole but yeah. uh it starts with 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 the financial use case which is yep. good as it pulls in so many uh, people and talent from out the world uh which then learn about the social good part but uh bitcoin or blockchain was invented for timestamping and what we do at wordproof mm. is making yeah executing the use case of timestamping uh in a triple a yeah as triple a as possible let's let's talk about i think the use case is really important because one it helps 
that's how I learn is through use cases, right? <laughs> it, yeah, it, sure. it allows, but it, it really just, that's how my, my brain works. And, and, and I hope others kind of learn in the same way. So just how the use case of a blockchain of, of Bitcoin and, and sort of financial currencies on blockchain, let's look at other use cases that blockchain can do, right? One being content, right? Something, you know, I dedicate, you know, sort of my life to it at this moment. And, and, and I think, a lot of people uh, engage with content, whether it's news, whether it's education, there's so many different ways to engage with, with, with content. But I think top of mind for a lot of people is information, right? News and information, I yeah, think is, sure. is the big sort of thing that is the most untrusted thing in the world right now, right? So how does, how do we take, how do we take the use case um, for content, put it on the blockchain and have that be, you know, a source of, a better source of, a, a, make that better, right? Make that one thing have a little bit more, you know, verification behind it and trust, which, you know, equals good at a, at a scale, right? Once you have that trust, it's uh, it's a big deal. Sure. We can do a few use cases in content yep. as it's still let's so broad. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with the news use case. Uh, yep. But from there, we can dive into copyright, which is an interesting one for creatives as well. Yep. It touches search engine optimization. How do you make sure that your content ranks high? Yep. And after that, we can do e-commerce. E-commerce is as well, it's content as well. You yep. base your your buying on the terms and conditions on the product information. So, But let's start with news. Simplest way to explain transparency is say, on a news outlet, you see last edited three hours ago. You could see, say, wow, that, thank you for being so transparent. But you could also be a bit suspicious. What was there three hours ago that I'm not allowed to see anymore? What you can do with uh, timestamping and making the revisions of content visible is that's a form of transparency. So what a timestamp is at its core, it's from a piece of content, uh, the headline and the, uh, the content of it, you make a unique fingerprint. That mm -hmm. fingerprint, you make it in an open source way so anyone can see how you came to that fingerprint. That fingerprint we put in a blockchain transaction. From that moment, you can always prove that the specific content existed at that specific moment in time. That, that's what the technology when, when does. Something that's is, what... When something is published though, right? Let's say yeah. like WordPress, uh, it, it, you hit publish, it, it, then that, that creates the timestamp. And then from that moment on, if you edit anything within that, it continually sort of stamps it with with this sort of timestamp of when things were changed. And then there's, and, and that goes for, for sort of any, I mean, WordPress is, is the simple one we could talk about, um, but like a lot of platforms like, you know, Bloomberg and, you know, Financial Times or Fox News or MSNBC, they're probably not using WordPress, right? They're probably using some custom platform or some enterprise platform um, yeah. that they use. And so could they theoretically use this too, right? It, it doesn't yes. matter what platform you use, it, it, the software can be adaptable to any type of, of platform. So there's an API, uh, there's a Shopify integration at the end of this year, there's a WordPress integration soon, there's a Drupal integration, so mm -hmm. for every platform. Uh, but the thing is in the front end, it's, it's about uh, the, um, the visitor can click on the three hours ago, last edited three hours ago, and mm -hmm. there ideally can scroll through all revisions, which are timestamped. Mm -hmm. So what a timestamp does is bringing 
transparency. Ideally, there's sort of a time machine. We offer that, but most publishers say, ooh, that's kind of scary to be this radical uh, transparent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the second element is connecting an identity to a timestamp. So the blockchain address you timestamp with, uh, you as a writer, you as a publisher, mm -hmm. you as a news outlet can say, hey, it's really me who's uh, publishing this information. I guess the big thing with, with sort of news, right? And let's take just WordPress, for example, right? What if I install it on, on my site, let's say I get like this little badge, right? Like a shield of, of some sort of where that shield is trusted a lot, like organic labels or fair trade or, or like a B Corp label. It, it validates something, right? It gives, I think, people some type of trust in in something, right? That they, yeah. they, they equate with. I guess the, the issue is, is that, you know, people who pro intentionally produce this uh, fake news, so to speak, right? Or unintentionally uh, misinform people through the content produced, right? They're not going to want to do this, right? Like th that's not something they're going to want because they're intentionally trying to manipulate things. So then it becomes, then it becomes something where if it's trusted that you have this, this sort of wordproof badge thing, right? Because then if you, if people start looking for that, then they can distinguish sort of things and say, hey, this is a way to sort of weed out publishers or, or information that is not sort of taking the time out to get themselves verified, so to speak, right? On, on the blockchain in a way. So let's look at the role of a timestamp. A timestamp is a boring thing. It's a yeah. technology from 1991. Uh, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> why now the internet is a mess and why now blockchain technology it finally starts to become scalable? The timestamp, a person can check the timestamp and the revisions of media, which brings transparency to those who love transparency. But ideally there's a government who requires it. There's a search engine who rewards the transparency and accountability you show. Mm. That, that's where, where the magic starts. So what you can do is connecting an identity to your timestamp, to your blockchain address. What you uh, can do is say, hey, I connect no identity to the information. Mm. I can connect my full-fledged government ID to my timestamp or steps in between. So government is level, level six. Uh, no identity is level zero, but LinkedIn, LinkedIn address that or uh, account that exists for over five years can be level five or level four. And a Twitter where you still can be kind of anonymous is level two. In that way, you can say you can choose the level of accountability you connect to your content and what you can then do is educating the search engines and social media the more accountability someone mm -hmm. takes and connects to the content the farther it can spread or the higher the rank so content without identity you can post it of course on the internet otherwise it would be censorship but it can't travel really far Content with your Twitter account can not only friends, but friends of friends. Content with your LinkedIn account can spread a bit further. And with your government account or someone some mm -hmm. one tier below, it can go viral. What you do there is anonymous content can't go viral. So there is freedom of speech, but there isn't freedom of reach for all. Because this, that's the biggest problem. Yeah. With, but but that's we would one have... of the biggest it's, it is the big, yeah, but I, I think you'd have, we have to, you'd have to get the companies to allow, you know, somebody with it, let's say, you know, I'm using, you know, WordProof or, or somebody else's or, you know, a publisher or whatever it may be, 
we have to Google has to agree that that is that that timestamp has value to it, right? They have to put value to it to say you're going to go up higher in the rankings because you have you're you're a trusted, verified sort of publisher, right? So you, yeah. we'd still have to get Facebook to say <laughs> they're they're along go along with this, right? So that that would be the problem I see is that we still would need these massive, massive companies whose bottom line are based around algorithmic advertising, right? Which Absolutely. Is, which is sort of this murky space, right? Where, you know, they their bottom line would probably be get hit if they implemented this trust stuff. Although I think in the long run, it would be very valuable for their company. Short term, these public companies are going to take hit revenue wise, right? Because they have to take this monumental shift into becoming a trusted platform, which takes time to do. But over time, I think it'll alleviate a lot of the other problems that they're facing, and it'll cut down on their legal fees probably. So they'd save money. Um, but uh, the, the, shall shall we dive in a bit on the search? Yes, engine? yes, that's, yes. That's a really interesting one. The question is: I've, One of the uh, investors in Wordproof as a company and the trusted web movement is Yoast Defalk. Um, yeah. So everyone who uses uh, WordPress uses uh, Yoast SEO, Yoast Search uh, Engine Optimization. Uh, Yoast Devalk, founder, and his wife, Marika, are investors in this movement because they deeply, deeply care about improving the web in an open source way. Yoast isn't uh, a fan of blockchain. He, when, when I reached out to him two years ago and said, hey, Yoast, uh, I want to pitch you something. He said, okay, but I don't like blockchain at all. I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, don't like it. I explained to him, hey, this is what it does in an open source way. We can prove that information isn't altered. And I showed him a prototype, which was really buggy. And he said, holy shit, this fixes so many problems in search engines mm -hmm. that they can't mm -hmm. fix today. And that's where the magic started. I did, we weren't talking about investing. That was totally not the idea, but they say, hey, I want to do everything I have in, in my power to make sure that we can roll this out to the internet as it's truly a base layer of trust. In search engines, the question is always, and that's what Yoast always has said is, there's only one sustainable uh, strategy to rank high in search engines. And that's simply being the highest quality result for the query that's being asked. And sure, he said, sure. yeah, it sounds like a broken record, but that's that has been true for over 10 years. And the question was in 2014, hey, if I make a mobile website, will I uh, rank higher? The answer was yes, of course, because mm -hmm. it's a higher quality search result for the, yeah. for the one who searches. And yeah. There's even a separate index for it. Secondly, then a few years ago, the question was HTTPS, if I have kind of the lock in my browser, uh, does that make me rank higher in the search engine? Absolutely, it did, as it's a more secure and therefore a higher quality search result. So the question, logical next question will be, hey, if I can prove that I didn't tamper with my date and I, mm -hmm. that I take accountability, is that a higher quality search engine result? Probably the answer is yes. Secondly, hey, an advertiser, what does an advertiser want? The advertiser wants to have control on next to which content their brand will be advertised. Otherwise their brand is at risk, which right. they take for granted now. Maybe the advertiser is willing to pay a premium for the guarantee to be advertised next to quality content. So mm. in a way, 
it uh, is a threat for their uh, treating their business model at some places, but it enhances their business uh, model on other places. Yep. I, I think the, the question I, I, I have is that with, with sort of the mobile AMP style, sort of, you know, making sure your site is, is sort of AMP uh, approved, like our, our AMP structured, that was something Google came out with though, right? Saying, hey, do this and we will reward you for, you know, we will crawl your site, make sure it has, you know, you know, AMP structure involved, and we will reward that with, with higher search rankings because it's you could read it better. The, the person can get to their information faster. I get that, but Google is not coming out and saying, "Hey, uh, we want to have a timestamp or a blockchain on your site yet." Right? Is that a possibility coming? Because the algorithm still has to crawl the site and say, "Hey, they are wordproof verified, so to speak, quote unquote." Right? We're gonna give that. A, just as much weight as as having the AMP structure right on your website, right, or, or having an SSL certificate. That's the game changer when we get to that point. And, and how far are we off? Maybe getting to that point where these these platforms that are indexing and crawling everything reward the 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 blockchain verification the same as they would like a mobile friendly site or SSL secured. Yeah. So it sounds a far cry, but with Yoast on board, it isn't actually. It's right. Right. What I learned, what I learned in the last 15 years being in the open source business is it shouldn't be a wordproof timestamp. It's really the whole thing. There's no right. trust in wordproof involved to uh, make this happen. So yeah. there's a language that search engines and social media use to uh, see that grant is not only a word, but your first name that Mm -hmm. Wordproof is not only uh, a word, but it's a company where Sebastian works, for example. Through schema.org or structured data, you tell, you make sense of, of words, what words are, what words mean. And what we do with the people at Yoast, they did the schema.org implementation for that 11 million websites. Together with people at Yoast, we uh, make the timestamp part of schema.org. That's a whole open source process as well. So um, I can, for the show notes, I can send over uh, a link which where, yep. where people can track that information. We filed that issue in, in, in the GitHub of schema.org, the place where uh, those, those discussions take place. And people from the internet consortium, the W3C, and uh, people from the search engine world, they're all heavily interacting uh, with this ID to make it part of schema as quickly as possible. And the second that's thing, huge. Yeah, that's huge. That, that's huge. And it's all in an open source way. And other parties as well, they can say, oh, we provide timestamp tooling as well. It's not just a wordproof game. It's really an open source way and ecosystem to make trust uh, and therefore transparency and accountability part of the internet's DNA. So, um, and together with Yoast, we can push it really hard. They have a mailing list of 800,000 people. Uh, we firstly will roll out to, uh, with their publishers, then the e-commerce people. It's, it's a way to roll out fast. And if we have the Shopify uh, app and the WordPress uh, thing in place, that's 43% of the web in total. Um, uh, before the end of, yeah, and yeah, sorry, Leslie, before, before the end of the year, we have uh, the two biggest publishers in the Netherlands. It's Media House and uh, DPG Media. Uh, forget about those names, but they timestamp on uh, two of their biggest titles. Um, that's over a million uh, quality quality 
articles that have been timestamped. And with that, we go to the search engines, not only Google, but also the, the DuckDuckGo and the smaller ones and say, hey, look at this. We uh, provide you a way that's uh, really a solution to problems you currently encounter in search engines. It's an open source solution. We've made uh, millions of uh, articles using it. So now it's your turn. Uh, who wants to be first in acknowledging those open source technologies? I think it's, we touched on Shopify for, for a second. I think it's sort of obviously the, besides WordPress, it's probably, it's, I think for e-commerce, it is sort of the WordPress of e-commerce where it's like most brands are using Shopify to, to power their, their direct to consumer brands or their marketplaces, whatever it may be. And it's such an important platform that, that exists out there. And how do we bring that trust to e-commerce? Because there is a massive industry of sort of fake apparel, right? And, and sort of fake this and fake that. And then also the, the great example, you know, you gave to me the other day was sort of the, the terms of service and the warranty aspect of things and, and how that changes and, and how people don't kind of realize these things. And I, I think it's such a, a, a brilliant way to take a look at it. So let's look at e-commerce in, in this area and aspect and how can it improve that entire ecosystem and sector? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we, we are recording on uh, Black Friday and every year on Black Friday, there's a discussion. Hey, um, this discounts, are they, is this, is this honest or is there, is it just looking, are right, we just right. pretending it to be a discount? What you want is seeing, hey, two weeks ago on this website, what was the price by then? <laughs> there is a tool, there's archive.org yeah. and with archive.org, you can scroll through old revisions of some content on the internet. It's a cool thing, but it's a philanthropic uh, project. It's it's super, super cool. I have them all the credits. Uh, I have to got them all the credits for that cool ID. With timestamps, you can do that yourself as a web shop owner. You can prove that you didn't tamper with your information, that you didn't tamper with your pricing, that you didn't tamper with your terms and conditions. What it does, it's... It's a commitment to integrity by design as an instead of integrity being an afterthought, instead yeah. of uh, letting the consumer think, hey, did was this okay? I have to trust them, it should be okay. With right. the you you can make your trustworthiness verifiable for terms and conditions. The thing we so that's one of the use cases for, for the content product information showing uh yeah, proving your honesty with terms and conditions, you can say, hey. I buy something, then it breaks in the warranty time. But mm -hmm. in the meantime, the terms and conditions changed. Uh, five to seven percent of all uh, transactions in e-commerce we end up being in some sort of dispute. And in many cases, it's about the flow of information around it. If I go back to the merchant, but the merchant changed its terms and conditions, and uh, yes, in, in the new case, they don't have to help me anymore. Right. Um, I'm totally reliant on the willingness of the merchant if, the, if I get help. With timestamps in place and sending over a copy, which you can prove that was uh, what was the deal at the moment mm. of buying, right. you as a buyer have all the tools. It levels the playing field between buyer and seller as it levels the playing field between the publisher and the reader or the government and the citizen. It, it's a, it levels the playing field and it makes that the merchant must act with integrity to the to the consumer but the other way around as well there's a, a lot of consumers they try to mess up with their information to get a refund which they 100%. shouldn't get 
Yeah. So it protects yep. it protects all who handles with integrity in an open source way. It see it can save companies money because consumers will have less fraud because they can verify a thing. And then it helps consumers because it, it helps them understand the warranty for the product they bought, right? Or any or the the ability to understand maybe even what their what their like interest rates are or something like that. I'm just kind of going out of left field here, but like there's obviously tons of, of issues around, you know, adjusted rate mortgages or adjusted interest rates and a lot of different uh, areas of buying things, right? Maybe expensive things or, or credit even in the financial structure. Understanding the fine print, right? Can be such a, just a horror. It's just, you're right. I mean, none of us want to do it. We all want it. We'd rather just, just get eaten by ants or something like that than to read these <laughs> terms and conditions, which historically has been a way to manipulate the product that they're not manipulate it, but say, Hey, we're going to have this commercial that features all these fancy videos and pictures and cars and, and women and whatever it may be. But then at the very bottom of the screen, it has all this super, super fine print. Right. And that I think hopefully something like this can sort of give a person an idea of, of what that stuff is, but when they buy stuff and see exactly what, what they're buying from a signature standpoint. What is the contract you're signing when you're buying something? I think is yeah. really, really, is really, really interesting. And, and trust in that verification in that is to me a game changer. And the whole chain, it's the uh, the news information, it's the uh, the e-commerce information, but it's also if it can make the 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 dollar of the advertiser more effective. It can make, in the end, products cheaper. Um, if the content creators get uh, show their integrity, prove their trustworthiness by taking accountability and showing transparency, as a result, the search engines will rank it higher. Those with integrity will win. Those who take right. accountability will win. And that's really the game, to make integrity a precondition instead of an afterthought. It's trying, I think, to reward responsibility and transparency and efficacy and, and just doing what you're saying you're doing, right? Not manipulating anything. I think it, unfortunately, the, the product shouldn't need to be, to, to even exist at all, right? It, it's kind of, it's kind of the odd thing, right? It's kind of what we, we hope, but you know, it, it's, it's kind of just getting back to the basics really. And I think using tools and using technology and, and open source to, to create a mechanism where we can kind of get back to the basics and say, Hey, what it, am I, am what, I, what I'm reading trusted, right? It, can I trust what I am reading? Can I trust what I am buying? I, I think that's, it's such a basic foundation, right? Yeah, but yeah. But at the same time in society, it took us a centuries to get yeah. the norms and values in place. It, it didn't happen overnight. So sure. it's, the internet currently is a mess, but it's, nobody is to blame for that it happened mm -hmm. over time we just yeah. ha didn't have the norms and the values in place so i'm i'm actually very optimistic on the internet finally we have the tools there for years for almost a decade we talk on all the problems on the internet but the fact that there are open source building blocks based on which we can make yeah bring integrity insert integrity in the dna of the internet make trust a precondition europe for example they are embracing this at rapid speed mm -hmm. that, that's what we see everywhere the publishers they want to uh, do it the small content publishers want to do it it's um there's a whole movement going on. It's uh, people are embracing concepts like this. It's we're not too late. <laughs>
<laughs> so that's the good thing there. I, I, I always hesitate when we talk about like res regulation and with GDPR and, and how we things are necessary. I think, you know, sometimes regulation is necessary, but I am I am very, very much against people putting regulations on things they don't understand. I think bad regulation, yeah, yeah, yeah. bad regulation is is has been quite an epidemic for a very long time. Absolutely. So with GDPR, when they sort of decided to do that, did they consult with, you know, for instance, people like you, right, or, or like people in the technology space? Because it always concerns me when regulations are are put on by government entities that have no idea what they're doing, uh, and you can see it. I think with the with sort of these big tech CEOs going to Congress and seeing the questions and seeing their responses, they don't actually understand technology, right? So how are you gonna regulate an industry that you don't understand how they make money, right? Or how they even work, yeah. right? That's a problem, right? And so if you're seeing, I, 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 I guess I say that to say, like they did with GDPR and, you know, like you said, it was kind of just, it was badly executed. I think comes from the right heart. Yeah. Do you see a position in the future where you say this is a part of actually GDPR regulation where sites have to come on the blockchain, have a timestamp, right? Is that the next evolution of GDPR in a way? I don't know. I know I'm taking a long-term vision here approach. No, but the, the thing is the problem with GDPR was that it was top down. You have to do it before this date. Otherwise you're at risk. What you right. can do with timestamps, what we do with timestamps is really a bottom-up approach. That's why, we, why I really love that we work with. We work with regulators, but we work especially with publishers. We work with right. the long tail in Yoast users, the millions of them, mm -hmm. to do it from the bottom up. Yes. Uh, so start yes. timestamping. We educate the search engines. Uh, it's, it's so obvious as it solves big problems in search, like duplicated content, who published yeah. something first. That's the thing search engines want to fix right. with the timestamps in place from the timestampers themselves. Um, search engines have the tools in an open way. No trust in, for example, where proof uh, is necessary with together the search engine and the, the content maker, they can settle it in a way they can, in the case that there's duplicated content, they can see who was first and reward the right one instead of the bigger one who was indexed better in the search engine. So it's it's really a bottom up approach then the the policymakers what will be the first thing i can imagine that they say in a few years from now all terms and conditions must be time stamped mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. other yeah it it's really strengthens the the consumer position and that's what all governments want they want uh, consumers to have a strong position and uh, it differs per country but in some countries it's already mandatory to bring your terms and conditions to the chamber of commerce uh, but it's not everywhere but yeah i can imagine that regulation will start with something like that the terms and conditions must be timestamped so that you can prove what the terms were at what moment in time that's a logical start usually i like to to end these these conversations with a little bit about about the future and i think we touched on it a little bit bit there but from your perspective and from maybe wordproof's perspective you know in five to ten years where do you see where do you see this this going right am i gonna uh just for you know for uh just to be open and transparent here i use yoast for for cause artists right i think it's a great plugin i tell everybody 
spend the money to buy it, it and learn how to use it. It's a, it just does wonders, right, for, for your site and, and, and for the production of it and the quality. Do you see, you know, update on Yoast when now they have a new tab that, you know, has timestamp, like they have the schema tab, like they have social, like they have the SEO tab, right, and the meta tags. Is that, a, is that do you foresee that happening? Um, and just overall in the industry, what do you see for the next five or 10 years from, from this perspective? Yeah, from the, the thing with Yoast, we're actively discussing that to do that one by one, firstly for the publisher, then for the e-commerce and then for all users. Uh, but to zoom out, how I see it is in five years from now, the tendency in the world would be, if you don't timestamp the information that matters, what are you hiding? You'd be considered a revisionist, fraud. Why didn't you timestamp? What are you hiding? That's where we're going with all of us. Now that there's a technology to do that in an open source way. Yeah, what are you hiding? So that's mm -hmm. how I see the world in a few years from now. So through timestamps, trust becomes part of the internet's DNA. With tools like Yoast, you can, everyone who uses WordProof or WordPress can install it and Shopify as well by the end of the year. You can install it literally in five minutes. Like with Yoast, there's right. a free edition with a few timestamps per month and you can upgrade as for if you have sure. more, but it's really affordable. Uh, as we think that the, the ability to prove your integrity, it's a human right and it right. shouldn't be a luxury thing. What we see is over the coming Every time Yoast talks about it, we talk about it, and there will be uh, emails soon with uh, Yoast Christmas mm. actions, with which educate a lot of people. There will be a lot of education on timestamping. So yeah. there's WordProof slash Academy, yeah. uh, where all use cases are explained. In in a few years from now, search engines will reward it. Once they do it, 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 it really matters to be early as it's backward compatible. So if you timestamp today, and the search engine says in half a year, if they will even say, hey, we take it in account. Right. It matters that you were early as you can't yep. place them in, in the, yeah, you can't place timestamps in history. Uh, that's the power of a timestamp that is really about to now. So yeah, but that's where we see the world going. All information that matters, and it could be creative, it could be news, it could be commerce, it could be uh, opinion. Mm -hmm. All content that matters will be timestamped. And it, because if you don't, consumers will be suspicious. Uh, advertisers won't advertise with your brand and, um, and big tech will rank you lower. That's where we see it going. But integrity as a precondition, that's the, that's the big idea. I, I think before we end here, I, I, I want to go back on one thing that, that we didn't get a chance to touch on, but I think it's a super, super important issue. And that would be sort of copyright whether you're a musician, right? Or, or, or I think it's interesting when, when people go viral, there's no way to sort of see who created, right? All these sort of dances and all these like viral things. These creators don't get a chance to sort of monetize their creation because it's just off in the ether, right? Like who created this dance or who, who created this or, or, or that, right? And I think how could it work in the world of first, let's talk about musicians, uh, artists, maybe even comedian joke tellers, right? There's a lot of sort of stealing jokes, things like How does it, how can this work for uh, musicians, artists, co comedians, and then how can it work for um, other other sort of situ situations around sort of copyright and virality and timestamping that you, you created this first? Yeah, it, it's such a problem for creatives currently. Yeah. It's hard because you want to share your talent with the world, sure. <laughs> but sharing comes with a risk. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And the most people in the open source space, they don't care too much about copyright as they say, no, it should uh, flow freely. But uh, yeah, of course, in a way you need protection and you want to be credited and, but being, uh, it, it's, it's really hard to uh, get your credit or it's hard to get legal protection. Mm -hmm. For example, if you want to bring something to the notary, it's expensive. Uh, it costs time. You don't want to spend time on that yeah. as a creative because you are creative and you want to produce uh, new content. So ideally, the most simple solution is if you have information, if you have your script, your joke, your video, timestamp it. You can timestamp with a plugin and for public facing content, but there's also, and we made a tool also with a free plan, it's wordproof.com slash files, where mm -hmm. you can just timestamp your information with the timestamp uh, without publishing it with that tool you can always say hey it's kind of bring it to the notary as you can indisputably prove right, that right. you had that information and that moment in time and um, nobody else could have yeah if you didn't have the input for the hash you weren't able to timestamp it otherwise you wouldn't have that hash so and so this is this is great because lawyers lawyers are going to hate this right this because it sounds like it's an opportunity for people to copyright their creative without having to spend money on a lawyer, time with a lawyer, paperwork, all this other BS. It's almost a almost a, a legal stamp of approval of I created this by simply you know adding this plugin or adding this code, whatever it may be on how how they use it for their creation. But it's a great yeah. way to sort of now down the line you might want some legal protections and you can go do that stuff. But that timestamp helps you sort of put that in the piggy bank, right? Like, this is my asset. This timestamp. You can indisputably prove that you had it first. And furthermore, you can, if you uh, timestamp the multiple revisions of it, authorship, a mm. brand is something you register, but authorship is something different. It's about how information evolves over time. And then suddenly there's authorship with timestamping revisions you build a lot of rights and you can indisputably prove that you had that information so with the yeah the files tool we have also with the free plan you can timestamp 10 files a month for free uh it strengthens your position as a creative massively as you can prove that you had that information so always timestamp it before you send it to someone and what you can do is sending with that information hey I timestamp this information just just so you know, which shows it it's kind of scarce copycats up front. Yeah, it, it's kind of it kind of does what email has kind of done a little bit, is that you can delete emails, but they're kind of not really deleted, right? Like there's the FBI will find like if you, even if you delete them, you know, they, they could potentially potentially get found because they're probably on servers somewhere uh, that could be sort of dug up. Um, and there's a to wrap the copyright thing off. There's also for public information. There's a small shop in Amsterdam, and they make beautiful lamps. They're really craftsmanship. Mm, Two brothers yeah. making wonderful products. And uh, what happened all the time was, uh, and they made great content to sell it. Great pictures, great stories. They make a, really a, a, a passport for every product they make. But People copy their content and uh, order copies of their products in a uh, low production cost country and sell that on eBay, for example. That happens all the time. Yeah. Then they sent an email to eBay and said, hey, take it down. It's a copy of this product. 
and yeah they say yeah sorry we can't do that everybody can say this but now they have they timestamp their information where they can say hey in the my word proof there's mm -hmm. a place where they can say hey this is the copy uh this is my product that has been copied generate a legal letter mm. they generated the letter and four times in a row and send it to ebay four times in a row in less than one hour ebay took down the copycat so what did that do for them? They weren't able to uh, spend time and money on a lawyer. A lawyer is really expensive everywhere. Sure. Uh, but now with the cheapest plan, they were able to get that legal protection. And mm -hmm. in a way, it democratized the, the legal protection for them. For them, being small again matters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really yeah, a powerful use case. It, it is. No, I think that's, we stumbled on, I think, one of the best the best use cases out there especially with sort of etsy's and, and being able to be an artisan or a craftsman right and it, it can it can work in that arena where it's just a craftsperson at home creating something um interesting but also it could actually work for large companies too right especially you see counterfeit in designer handbags right or designer shoes there, there's tons of this this sort of counterfeit marketplace uh for all this stuff Right. So I think it, it's also a way where people know, consumers know that they're buying the actual real thing. I get, I get, uh, you know, messages from my brother all the time asking me if this, this stuff is real. Like he's big into sneakers and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, look, if you have to ask yourself, <laughs> then it's probably <laughs> fake, you know? And, uh, and I think if there is a way to, to do that, I think there's a lot of these, uh, marketplaces now out there. StockX does a really good job of creating um, the sort of verified marketplace of actual authentic uh, products. And, and I think that there's, this is a way I think to democratize that verification where you don't need to raise millions and millions of dollars to create a StockX platform that can verify its users, things like that. It's a really way where if you run a blog, right? If you create a song on YouTube, if you create a dance on Instagram that goes viral or something like that, it's a way for any individual to to basically copyright their creation at a very, you know, free level, right? At some, you know, it's in, in some standards. I think it's that's a real, real game changer in a lot of ways. And then maybe you no, know, as a last thing, the you have a, another shop that's the Amsterdam Vintage Watches, so they sell vintage Rolex stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. an e-commerce use case. They timestamp sure. all their information now, and what they do is they open the watch to see what the quality is and then they put a price on it and then they sell it. But what if the watchmaker says, hey, I've opened a watchmaker with a good reputation, connects her or his uh, reputation to the product timestamp after checking the watch. That adds, that makes the, the quality verifiable of it. And theoretically, could you, could Rolex or any company, right? actually start to create products with like some type of little something on the back or something where you could simply just scan it with your iPhone and it brings up the 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 verification sort of thing right or the timestamp of of whatever that sort of instantly verifies things to where you you know, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of different ways uh, you could do this stuff. It's interesting. We can do a whole new episode on this because there's yes. a technology <laughs> in blockchain, which is non-fungible tokens, but let's keep that for a yes. next one. But okay, sounds there's good. A, it's a great, uh, it's on our website, the Amsterdam Vintage Watches uh, use case, which really elaborates on 
putting accountability and reputation mm -hmm. you as if you uh, sell vintage stuff so not the new stuff how you can leverage timestamps to uh, leverage your reputation online as well as a small shop and a big shop yep absolutely well thank you so much Sebastian for taking the time um, I know you're busy and I, I know we we're all kind of having a lot of different things going on in our life at the moment so I'm always very grateful for people that, that take time out of their day to, to talk about interesting things you know and things that thanks can for having me disrupt a, a lot of a lot of things in our world that need some disruption right in, in a good way and i think tech has the power to do that on a lot of different levels um specifically blockchain as it matures itself right i, I think it still has a long way to go so i uh, appreciate you taking the time thanks so much and, and can't wait to see what uh what happens with Warproof in the future thanks man thanks for having me it was a pleasure to be on your show